Welcome to First Coat, where we explore public realm art, how it's made, and why it matters. I'm your host, Stephanie Eche, an artist and entrepreneur based in Brooklyn, New York. I run Distill Creative, where I curate and produce site-specific art projects for real estate developers. I focus on creating more equitable and inclusive projects, and I want to get more exposure for the artists and developers doing this work. This week on First Coat, we have Massimo Mangiardo. Massimo is based in Miami, Florida, but we met while he was working on a project here in New York City. He's done various murals across the country and launched an Etsy store selling his prints earlier this year. I spoke with Massi about how to develop a personal style, his process for researching and developing mural designs for clients, how he makes money, and what's influencing him right now. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for taking time to to be interviewed. And I'm really excited to interview you today because I feel like you're, I love your work, but I think you're one of the first, maybe only people who I've like spoken to on the job who was just so open and has been willing to share so much information. So I really appreciate that, particularly because street art and like murals are such a male dominated thing. It was just so refreshing to have someone send me some links, you know, and just open that door. So yeah, I started doing it like two and a half years ago now. So it's sort of still new to me. And I think it's exciting to meet people and share and stuff still. So I'm not jaded. Don't think I'm cool or something for uh, being, you know, doing it. Great. Can you share just who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Massimo Mandardo. I work as an illustrator and muralist on a lot of different projects. Uh, I started off doing branding and then it kind of shifted to illustration, which is sort of what's what I went to school for. And I'm way more into drawing. And then probably like five years ago, one of the branding projects I got asked to put some of the illustrations up on the wall. And that was my first like painting experience and then nothing happened for probably three more years and then I started to develop like a really distinct personal style and then it started to lead to like I got one mural that asked for that and after that it was sort of like I had like broken through one of the walls and I started to get a lot more work after that. I was listening to your interview on the process podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that was fun. I loved how you talked about your development of style because I totally agree that's something that like rightfully so artist obsess over and particularly when you're doing public work do you want to share just some tips on style development yeah i mean that was something i was always worried about as uh you know as long as i've been drawing like i mean when i was really young i didn't really even know that um it kind of went that way but i started to notice it as a teenager and uh definitely in college some of the students had like really cool really strong styles uh and it didn't really happen for me until like a couple of years after I moved to New York after college. I started doing a lot of consistent work for a couple different people. Um, and it was sort of not because the projects were calling for a distinct style. It was because I was making so much work and I started to develop a process more than anything. And then there was just a couple things that sort of led to it. Like I started tracing sketches instead of sketching again. And there were a couple times where I would like hit points in the trace where I would be like, oh, that kind of looks good like that, like without the faces and or like with, you know, with only this much information and without. And so uh, it was kind of just sort of pursuing paying attention more while I was working to what I felt looked good and then it it just sort of it's always changing still but it's like you you're kind of like you start to narrow in on this this smaller frequency that that gets more and more dialed and then you can pull old tricks in that you used to use and but you have this like stronger process and and so it's like anything you draw or paint starts to sort of look like your own because you're just like you're so much more familiar with making so much more work that's that's for me how I think it happened just by producing a lot of stuff and getting a ton of practice in. Yeah, I think that's one thing I really appreciate about like when we've talked and when I've heard you talk to other people about style development, it's that like you can't really skip the hard part of just doing it. <laughs> like, yeah. like doing it over and over and over again. I mean, I, there were like, it, I, there were so many times where I would be like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. Like I'd, I'd look at like, uh, you know, a Paul Pope comic or something and I'd be like okay like like quick gestural ink strokes like that's what I'm going to do from now on or, or I'd look at like uh, Ashley Wood and be like I'm going to be a painter and then it wasn't really about that it was like more like just drawing a lot and making a lot of work and that that's sort of how it happened. In that interview too I heard how you were like one of those kids who just 
drew a lot when you were little. Yeah. Do you remember the first thing you drew or what, what's your earliest memory well, of creating something? The first, the earliest thing I can remember is a drawing of my dad's cat from when I was really <laughs> young and he still has it. And it was sort of like, I think it was this big thing for mostly my parents who were like, oh my God, he like drew the cat. And I was like a really, really small kid. Um, and so that was sort of the first, first one. And then, you know, and really like elementary school like really young kids stuff like there was some self-portraits too where it was more like I was seeing my parents react to like these things I was making and that's sort of what the memory is more than anything and I think that's sort of why I was encouraged to keep pursuing that and my parents are like both really into art my dad makes furniture and we always had art books and stuff around but it was those like couple things like the cat and the first self-portrait and like that my parents were just so reactive that I think in my young, young brain, I, I felt like that this is what I do, you know? So that was sort of it. But that said, I've learned that talent is overrated and, and practice is everything. <laughs> did you always want to do work in public space or how did that come about? I, no, no, it wasn't like a goal of mine from a long time ago. I've always just kind of been into drawing and rendering and, you know, cool illustrations like comic books and, you know, anime and video game art and stuff like that it, just since I was a kid. And so it was never like specifically that. But then I, I did the one five or six years ago where it was just like the things I had illustrated for a food menu, like painted on the wall. And the feeling of doing that was was like so much better than, you know, just drawing to me. Uh, it was like, oh, this is like some next level, like, uh, physical like you're like drawing for me is, is a lot of it is just like feeling good and like this line feels good and that line feels good and it's like I'm gonna keep chasing this like rhythm and so what painting is just like a whole other thing when you're going large scale like that and then through Instagram I just started to discover artists who like they weren't really graffiti artists really it was more like they were just making beautiful huge paintings like Axel Boyd and I think he's called Iris and there there's like a bunch of street artists who 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 paint almost classical stuff with just like sort of a hint of this like street art look um so you can really bend it in a lot of ways and giant walls can take anything that like a canvas can take too so that was sort of I think through Instagram is where I was like that's kind of what I want to do like I kind of want to try that I think I could do it you know have you enjoyed doing outdoor murals <laughs> oh yeah it's I mean it's hard it's always like this uh it's hard in a lot of different ways than like regular drawing is because it takes so much physical work and trying to wrap your head around how you're going to scale it up like I, I've scaled things up so many different ways like and even when I use the same technique on a different wall, it's like a different experience every time because sometimes it's really hot. Sometimes it's really windy. Sometimes it rains, which sucks. But yeah, I, I mean, it's still, it's like just this, this whole different experience where at the end of it, like you, some days like you're, you're kind of chasing, chasing the weather, like mm -hmm. making sure that you get it done on time. But you're, that means that you're climbing up and down a ladder all day. And like by the end of it, like you're actually sore. So it, I mean, I, I like the, the really physical part about it too, but outdoor stuff. Yeah. Is the hardest, I think. Being in the elements. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the first one I did was the first outdoor one I did. It was so windy. And like, I, I was using um like pounce transfer and it was just like the paper was like tearing off the wall and stuff. And it's just, was so intimidating, but it worked. Can you can you talk a little bit about like the public interaction with your work and how oh, that yeah. influenced new work or just like a lot of times I think when when I got commissioned, people were sort of looking to the first couple, especially as people were looking for that sort of where they're like, oh, now I realize this building is a local butcher shop or something like that, you know, or it's like this kind of makes sense. And so, but at the same time, I'd like people to first of all think it looks cool, but then also kind of like understand like what's going on and like read the story. And it's sort of like, they're like, Oh yeah, that's sort of, that is how that's done. Like uh, the piece I did for Essex street market, which never turned out to be a mural, but like it, it just shows like how food gets from the farm to, to the market. 
and like some some of it goes to a warehouse literally first before it goes anywhere and so it's like oh yeah like i never thought of it like that and i mean there's there's been a couple pieces by uh, other artists that like strongly influenced like that thinking and I, i've just mm-hmm. stuck with it for so long like the storytelling aspect yeah like the, i don't know if you've ever been to the well you pr- probably have the natural history museum in new york has these murals when you walk in and they're just like it's just like stacked information and there's a couple American artists. I'm trying to think of the guy's name right now that I always reference. There's another Italian comic book artist who did this like history of the world piece mm-hmm. where it's like stacked like from the very beginning up until now. And it's it's super violent and gnarly. But just the way that he told that story was like a huge click for me where I was like, oh, I can I can sort of draw figures in that way. I can use this as a way to tell my own like stories that I know about. And so I think it's, I think being able to, it's almost like reading in a weird way. Like it's, it's, it's spelled out for you because I don't want people to have to think too hard when they look at my work, but um, it's the sort of thing where you look at it all at once and then you just zero in on the details and then maybe you catch some metaphors later. How much do you, knowing that you do work that way, what kind of research do you do when you're working on a new piece? Well, it depends on what it is. Usually sometimes there's no like points of reference mm-hmm. like at all but uh usually it helps if there's like one for the like the foster sundry mural which was my first outdoor one they just wanted something that said you know we're a butcher shop and we sold cheese and blah 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 and i i thought instead of pointing it at just that the food it was like well the process like the people the work all that is like a cooler angle and so i start checking how food's made I start looking up their farmers I start finding like specific like history to to those places and seeing if there's cool imagery that I can rip that has has meaning I try not to to put too much filler stuff in my work it's usually always referencing something yeah like it depends what it is uh there was this tiki bar slash sushi restaurant in Boston that I did a mural for and it was sort of a similar thing like where they didn't know what they wanted but they knew that they didn't want any like iconic imagery like Japanese stuff or tiki stuff or anything like that because they're not Japanese and they're not like part of tiki culture and but this is just the food that they're making and they don't want like people to get the wrong idea so I focused on the ingredients and the way those things are made so like fishing for sushi and uh, sugar cane for rum. Those things for me have, have really cool images. Like, you know, guys with machetes chopping down sugar cane. That's sort of, it's like, how can I hit this from an angle where I'm going to have, be able to like uh, excel at, like at what I'm painting and drawing. And it's not, it's not a cop out. You know what I mean? Like it, it really does have to do with what the concept is. Right. And pushing you to just like draw new things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sugar cane. Like <laughs> that was new. Yeah. Boats, like sky- skyline, like all those things. I mean, it's, I, I try to get new stuff from every project and usually it, it, you do like that's, that's the cool thing. Are you an artist? Submit your portfolio at distillcreative.com slash artist. You'll get on our distill directory our artist database, and be considered for upcoming art commissions. Do you have any tips for an artist who does, I guess, maybe more like works on canvas or works on paper who's looking to do outdoor murals? Yeah, if you want to do one, try and try and find someone who will let you do one or, you know, enter a contest. The way I got my first one, I entered a contest and I took work that I already had and like mocked it up on their wall and just sort of was like this something like this you know and uh why like please choose me and it was really intimidating but I I think I've mentioned this to you before that it's sort of you sort of end up doing exactly what you do on paper or canvas anyway like even if it's gigantic obviously you got to get on a ladder or a lift or whatever but you sort of navigate the piece in the same way where it's like I put the sketch down and then I put the shading down and then I do the line work to cut, like clean it up and then I'm done. Like it, it's sort of, it's sort of surprising how much it reflects like how you work small scale. Like that's for me. And and the best way to, to figure it out is to try it. There's no, there's no other way. What kind of paint do you like to use most on a wall? I, honestly, I like using like house paint, like uh, it's acrylic, like latex. Yeah. It, it's like kind of watery. So you can get a lot of like coverage with it. 
but it doesn't like drip off the brush constantly unless it's like hot out. I've found that I've, I've used other paints that are like so much more difficult, which are supposed to be so much better. But for me, for what I do, for the amount of color I use, those kinds of things, it, it's like the smoothest, flattest, not the cheapest, but it's, it's like still, it's really easy to get like house paint in a lot of different colors too. So, and, and my work is very like, at least so far, the mural work is very like, you know, maybe six colors that are really identifiable. And so I can just buy those things and add white if I want to make it lighter like that. So it's, it's not super complex, but yeah, house paint. How have you been doing this year with, I mean, I know a lot of artists, their projects have just been put in hold indefinitely, but I've also noticed that your Etsy page is like blown up. So like, can you talk a little bit about transitioning and doing commissions? I I was really surprised actually, because I just checked on it right before I was like, wow, I have all these followers and ratings and stuff. Yeah, actually in the beginning, it was a little scary. I had landed a, a... I moved to Miami, but then I landed a job in New York in January that was like dream job. And uh, I moved up there in January, but then coronavirus hit and I left back to Miami because I, I didn't have a place. Oh my gosh. And, Wait, yeah. The job. I'm working for an interior design company designing um, wall graphics like murals, but they're, they're just um, like installed. I don't have to paint, but I, I design them and then get get the manufacturer to like put them in are um, they like branded pieces or is it like your art yeah it's like i have to appease the client but it's still like as far as like office job it's it's the coolest one i've ever had is this a company you can share i'm so curious like uh it's the company i work for is ted mudis associates it's an interior design company it's like i don't know if it's, it's not like i'm working for like uh what's it called uh scene or something like a mural company like that it's it's more like they started a branding department in their interior design company as like a different way to get projects. Wall graphics like for offices, I guess are sort of exploding right now. Yeah. Like tech offices want like really cool, like beautified spaces. And so, so I I was let go and then brought back on. So I've been busy, honest. I have a lot of when coronavirus started, I sold the prints on Etsy and donated a lot of the money um, that I was making off that. It wasn't like a ton, but it was enough for me to like be okay and plenty to give away. A lot of people that I've been, I've ironically been doing a lot of logos recently, which was huh. something that I tried to get away from when I started doing murals. But the people who are coming to me are sort of just looking for whatever I want to, to do for them. It's not like this difficult back and forth kind of thing. But a lot of smaller businesses like I'm doing uh, something for a butcher shop in Jersey City right now and they just said that it's been the craziest season they've ever had and they've, they're only open like three or four days a week and they haven't have never been busier because people don't really want to go to the supermarket and they want to buy local stuff and everyone's talking about a meat shortage but like they they're sourcing from local farmers and so it's not a problem and and uh, yeah same thing another guy in Chicago uh, Baker he, he said he had the craziest season ever and they're, they're trying to open a commissary and he needed a logo for that. So I've been busy with like a lot of projects for small operations that I've been doing really well, ironically, during all this. That's really um, interesting. That makes yeah. sense though. Like my, my fiance is actually a uh, trademark lawyer yeah. and like his business has been fine. It's kind of, it's really weird. Cause it's right. Like, like people are opening. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> it's, yeah. People it's have ideas and they have money somehow to start new businesses and they need like a logo yeah. new trademark. So yeah, it's crazy. I, I, um, I would have never expected it. It was pretty scary in the beginning. Like I said, I got let go from the, the New York thing, but it was, it, I was sort of like, well, I have painting, I have a couple painting commissions and we'll see what happens. And now I'm just busy again, like real busy. I, I, I don't know. I feel lucky, obviously. Right. Can you talk a little bit about the commissions and like how that process has been working for you? Yeah, it's taken a really long time to to get where I'm at now with just talking to people about money and how to manage clients and stuff. And it can be really difficult because I've I've caught myself in the past, like sort of getting greedy when I when I'm when I don't have a lot of money and asking for a lot for people who I should know don't really have it. And and then the other way around where I don't ask enough. And, and uh, so I've tried to kind of just make more flat rates um, that aren't ridiculous, but aren't too cheap. I should probably still raise some of them sometimes, but 
it's worked pretty well if I say like, well, this costs this much, take it or leave it. Um, so for like facade illustrations, I have like a flat rate for oil paintings. I have like a flat rate, uh, logos too. Now I'm just sort of like everybody kind of gets the same price unless they're like, I just can't do that. And then I'm like, well, maybe I can do this instead for, for that amount. So, but I try not to get greedy because it usually ends up, uh, ends up with me with ending up with no work. Um, because people are just like, kind of like go cold or they think it's ridiculous or the thing is though, I mean, like I have made a point that everybody has to pay. That's something different. I used to do a lot of free work. Um, and I just, I don't know if this is the way I'm going to make money, even if I'm busy, it doesn't, I don't know when I'm going to be not busy again. It might be next week. So I have to ask everybody to pay me basically. So yeah, any advice I would give is just like, make sure you get paid. Like, mm. unless it's for some crazy celebrity or something, even then I, I was talking to a friend of mine who I did commission for work for him like five or six years ago. And he paid me, uh, he does like uh, analog synthesizers and I did like an illustration on the front of one of the face plates um, and, and on actually on the back of some of the PCP boards where it's like sort of like an Easter egg, but like six years later, he uh, some guy in Hong Kong noticed one of them and reached out to me for a logo, which is something I'm working on now. And I was talking to my friend about it and he was like, see, this is like the problem with like, doing work for exposure because like maybe one person hits you up for like a $400 project five years from now. Like that, that's been my experience for the most part. Like my followers at this point go up no matter what I do. And like they're going up slowly and they don't go up much faster. Like maybe I'll get 30 or a hundred from like a big post, but it doesn't mean I'm getting tons of work. It, it's like never really added up that way. Right. It like doesn't correlate. Like, no. Like, and, and what I've realized about Instagram followers, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what I've realized is the work just has to be good enough. Like you have to make sure that you're putting out good work that you think is good and that people can't deny is good. So I focus more on making my work better and charging for everything. Like, because otherwise it just doesn't, you're going to get followers if your work's good and not, not everybody's going to buy stuff. No, like that's not how it works. So yeah, that's, that's been my experience. Those are really good tips. I think just like focus on the work and yeah, for your work. I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but I do think a lot of artists, I did a ton of free work when I was, you know, from like 20 to 20, 20 to 30 years old. Like I, I, I did a ton, like obviously all the first projects I did, in the beginning were free. Um, when I was just out of college, like I, I needed a portfolio and like, as soon as you get one published piece, it's like, Oh yeah, I did something for hop skateboards. They did something. They trusted me to do that. Like you guys can too, you know? So in the beginning, yeah, maybe, but, um, eventually you're going to start getting good enough where you, you deserve to get paid. Yeah. So. Don't do free work. No one should do free work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the number one thing I hear when yeah, I talk to people. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like only okay when you need an example. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't like, you don't have any murals in your portfolio and you need to do one, get someone to let you do one. Um, and even then if they if they have a budget, take it, you know, but other than that, like exposure and all that, I've never had any like crazy, like, oh, I'm blowing up because of this, you know? Can you share a little bit about how you might give a quote for a public project and if that's changed over time also? Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, I had no idea what to do, obviously. I would just kind of throw numbers out there and be like, oh, it's, well, one this big costs this much and it's a big one and 1500 bucks. I don't know. And, and then a couple of people I worked for told me I wasn't charging enough, even though they would still just pay me whatever I threw out there. <laughs> um, and so I started charging uh, like 50 bucks an hour and uh, keeping track of how long it took to, to do all the stuff. And then I started adding up like the materials and the travel and stuff like that. And was sort of like, ah, like this, this is like a ton of work. Cause I don't know. I mean, when you spend like a week and a half on something like there, there was this mural at the, uh, Essex crossing, um, the grand street settlement community center. It's like, I got paid 
fairly for that project, but it, it took me like seven, 12 hour days to finish it. And it, at the end, like the hourly wasn't that good, but it doesn't matter. Like I got a good, and like you have to count all the hours and that goes into the sketching too and the planning and all that. Like, so from concept phase to finished painting, I usually quote out by the hour and make it like a flat rate and then split up, uh, the payments like so one to start one when the sketch is finalized and one when i'm done painting that makes sense yeah i know other artists charge by like square foot but they basically have figured out that number based on what how much time it typically takes to do all of those things yeah i think it's a similar sort of thinking the reason i don't do that is some murals are way bigger that take me much less time Got so it. okay uh, it, it kind of all depends on the design like I did something for Amazon recently that was, there's this Amazon mural and this dig in mural that were like very similar complexity, kind of limited color. And the walls are much bigger than something I did for uh, this, the tiki bar I was talking about in uh, Boston, but that had much more complex color. So it was like two or three days more of work. Yeah. What's the best experience you've had doing a mural and what's the worst experience you've had? Oh man, let me think. The best one was I think last summer or last winter, feels like summer because I was down here, but last winter uh, during Art Basel, I did this long like sequence piece of like someone running and jumping um, and like taking all their clothes off, losing all their clothes as they were running and jumping. Um, And that was in a school on the side of a gym. As it progressed, like, the kids were just like freak out. Um, and, and then like, there were a lot of like mural artists there too. So like they would come through and it's like really encouraging to talk to them and see, see their work just being like, just unfolding too. And so you get to, you get to see a lot of different people's processes and meet the community really quickly. And it's just like kind of a crazy vibe because everyone's trying to finish before Sunday, before school starts again. And like, but like the the energy there with all the artists there and all the kids there was like it was just like rolling every day i don't know it was really fun oh so that's a good one uh bad one huh. none of them like have been like terrible like I-, I guess there was one recently where i had to use a lift on an incline and so the lift there was a ramp that goes up to the door basically so i'd have to drive the lift up and they they don't go up if they're at a, on an angle. Right. And I had, so I had to take two by fours and like shim the back wheels. So it would be flat when I drove it up the ramp. And then I would like climb up and raise it like 20 feet. And it's like rocking. Like, you oh my know, gosh. Just, that's, that's kind of what they do. <laughs> um, and it was sort of like kind of my first real experience with one of them like that. And it was just, the mural had to be done because the rain, rain was coming the next day and I couldn't really reach all the way because there was an awning. So like I would raise the uh, lift up and then it had this extension that went out. So I would push the extension out as far as it would go. And then, so I'm like walking out on this extension. That's not, it's not above the lift. It's just like floating and rocking and and it's almost raining and it's windy and so I, that that was just kind of scary and i'm sure compared to other artists experience that's not even that bad <laughs> um but for me it was one of my first times like up on one of those things and it just felt like a really janky like makeshift way to get it done but i got it done it came out pretty well it was just like sort of intimidating and <laughs> it didn't feel right you know yeah yeah there's a lot with lifts that is it's really scary and you have to be careful and like do it correctly. But to your point, like sometimes there are these situations where you're just doing whatever you can to get it done. I just like the guy, you know, I had been paid and I had to get paid for the rest and the, the weather was turning bad and uh, I didn't want to keep working on it for more days. I didn't want to fix mistakes. So I just kept moving and uh, it was really, I don't know. I was just nervous the whole time you know, which is unpleasant, but it worked out fine. Like it it came together. Yeah. I'm glad you got down in one piece. (laughs) It was terrible. (laughs) Are you a real estate developer looking for a unique amenity for your site? Get our free guide, 10 tips for commissioning a site-specific artwork at our website, distillcreative.com. Do you have any tips for clients who want to hire mural artists for projects and like some things they could think through, like make sure there's not an incline. I mean, I honestly commissioned someone for a client piece and I wasn't there and I found out 
basically during install that they couldn't, same situation with the lift, but there was like no way to make it work. Yeah. Somehow the artist just made it work without the lift basically. Or like, I mean, I don't really want to know what she did to make it work, but I felt so bad, like not knowing that. Right. Like, yeah, I I would think uh, as a client looking for an artist and thinking about a space that you want painted, like just think about like, is this the best place for a mural like, because I mean, what I painted was kind of cool in the end, but it, it was really difficult to make it work. Like, it was like uh, an awning that framed up like the entrance to Brooklyn Commons down on Flatbush. And it was just like really hard to like, get information on there and figure out a good composition. And, and then the lift thing, there, there was supposed to be no awning, but something didn't happen in time. So yeah, those kinds of technical things where it's like, before you hire someone like choose a good spot make sure it's very visible and like accessible by the artist and if you figure it's going to need a lift try and have that all sorted out for them because they're it's not really expensive like but to have the the artist like handle that adds stress because i ended up having to handle it last minute which was difficult and we were trying to get a you know certificate of insurance from the landlord and like those kinds of things are really really annoying to deal with and so it's uh whatever you can do to like if you want the mural and you want it to happen do whatever you can to like let the artists like come in and paint and do what they're good at because a lot of times like i i didn't have experience getting a coi like i I didn't i just felt sort of like i was failing like half the time like you know um so if you have those like things in place where you can make that call and like that move it make it it just makes it easier for everybody because it's not you have a secretary who can call the rental company and do that it's so much easier than the artist doing it like right. you know those types of things where it's just like doesn't make sense to have a mural here it, how can i make sure he's set up because the jobs that have been really smooth like the tiki bar i keep talking about in boston like i got there and the construction workers were like not touching the wall they just like primed it and they were just like moving around it and there there was like mask on the floor so i didn't get any paint on the floor so those guys didn't have to clean it up and like it's just like like the painters who paint the walls are probably better at masking than i am you know what i mean so those kinds of things where it's like let each person do what they're good at um that's the best advice i can give because otherwise it's just so much harder for everybody and i'm asking a million questions and like where do i find a ladder and blah blah blah. it's like slows everything down Right. And especially if there already are those resources, like if there's already someone setting up something for a different, similar situation. Yeah. I find this happening a lot with clients where like they could really just use the same resources for different things, but instead it's like 12 different people asking the same questions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. It's better to have all that stuff done up front, you know, like there's been times where it's like then, you know, I get super frustrated and then all the client, all of a sudden the client like checks in on me to see if I need anything. And I'm like already like heated and and stressed. And, um, so, but then I'm like, Oh, he's cool. All right, cool. You know, it's just, it, it's better to like, I mean, I, I usually act really needy in the beginning and be like, is there going to be a ladder there? Are you sure I can get up there? Cause it's just been a couple of times where I'm like, I don't know how, how I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then there's like, in situations that I've been working on, there's also artists who want to do everything themselves and don't want, they have their own method of how they get their ladder, yeah. how they get their ladder, how they yeah. the site or whatever. I, so it's like, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, totally. I, I mean, some, some people are just set up like people have been doing it for a while, probably have certificates of insurance and like they have their own business. That's specifically only for murals that charges all that shit. Like, you know, that, and so, uh, it's not one size fits all, but my best experiences is when I just like can get in there and paint and leave. Like that's, that's the best for me. Yeah. I think clients just being aware of like asking the questions up front before they <laughs> expect yeah. to have something Are you gonna done. Need a lift? Are you going to need yeah. a ladder? Like, <laughs> cause I don't even have a ladder. Like I, I want to get one, but I don't have one. And, and like, I don't have any mural projects in the pipeline. So probably not going to buy one right now you know well, if you're going so, out of town like you're not going to bring your own yeah money. like the you're last rent it or have them yeah it's just- yeah like i f- had to fly out to seattle to do the one for amazon obviously um i can't bring certain stuff but like 
we had that conversation. It's another good example of where I was like pretty well set up. I was like, I have a projector. I don't need one. I'm sure you guys have a bunch, you know, um, but I don't need one. You've done a bunch of different things as far as like your career. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish you had done or you wish you hadn't done looking back now? Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of, I, I wish I had um, started taking this all uh, more seriously earlier. Like, I mean, things sort of happen. Life has like a way of figuring itself out in this weird way for better or worse. And like, it just always kind of ends up, um, you never know what's going to happen, but like in college, like I, I leaned too much on like uh, skills I had built when I was like a teenager and was like, you know, I was like one of the better kids in high school, one of the better kids when I got to college. And then by the time I left college, I was like, not the best. Um, and so what do you mean specifically like in your drawing skills or in your yeah like or- drawing skills uh thinking about what i want to do with it um how to finish project like where am i taking this like i i was very like all over the place and it, it started to kind of crystallize a little bit when i left when i when i got out of school more because i was just like oh i can just draw whatever now again and i started i reached out to like skateboard companies and did some skateboard graphics for free uh, and that was really exciting and things like that. But it would be like, you know, I would do one project a month, maybe, maybe like two a year. Some, sometimes it was really slow and I would sometimes draw, like I would go sit outside and draw, I would go to a human figure. Um, but it wouldn't be that often. Um, and then when I moved to New York, I had to start working in restaurants cause I was just like desperate for money. And I started going to figure drawing class a lot more again and uh, I started like shopping around for internships and I like just was like, I got to throw myself at this again. And it's, it, it's like three years had gone by or something and I, I sort of wasn't paying attention. Um, and then finally at a certain point uh, af- after a couple graphic design jobs, I got an art studio uh, when I was like maybe 25. And that was when like everything, it was just like, Oh, I just, I'll just go to the studio before going to Momofuku for work or craft. I think I was actually a craft at that time. And so I would, I, I started developing a habit of going and I wish I had like just done that for like all the time. Like, cause it was like, I had these two periods when I was like young teenager, like high school kid where like drawing was like what I did in my spare time. And then I sort of like, you know, got in, got really into skateboarding and partying and whatever. And it wasn't, as focused and then it kind of came back later again when I was like 25 24 25 and I wish I had stayed kind of focused because you can make a lot of progress in a year you know and it just I said it before it's like you don't get anywhere without producing work so so the question was what do I regret and what was the other half of it what do you wish you had done yeah I just wish I had taken it more seriously earlier but like now it now's the time where I'm able to like remind myself that I said that a while ago. And so like, if I want to take a painting class and I feel lazy about it, I'm sort of like, my attitude's a little different now where I'm like, no, do it now. Right. You know, because when you're 40, you're going to be like, I should have learned how to paint portraits when I was 33, you know, like, yeah. So why do you think that happens? Because the same exact thing happened to me where it's like I was doing stuff. I mean, even in my early 20s, even after college, I mean, college is kind of a weird thing for me, but it's like I was starting to do really cool things. And then I just got like sucked into survival mode. I don't even know what it is because it's not like I had a family. Like I didn't have any. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it had to do with just wanting to hang out with my friends and make <laughs> make new friends in New York. And uh, like, I didn't really know what to do after college. I didn't feel like I had made any kind of decision. I think maybe I should have taken a year to think about like what, do I want to go to college for? Like maybe I would have gone for painting instead of illustration. Um, and I just didn't, it was just like I was on the path that everyone else was on. Like you finish high school, you go to college, you graduate college, you go to work. I don't know. And so it was sort of like, I didn't think a lot as much as I do back now as, as I did back then. Like I, I'm, I usually try and I've realized that doing difficult things kind of like helps you in the end, like taking a hard paying class or, working out or practicing all the time. Like those things take a long time, but they, they end up being more satisfying. Yeah. And I think um, 
from some of the things you've said to just like taking the class or learning the skill or like, I feel like at least when I was younger, I just kind of assumed like these people can do these things and these people can't when really it's yeah, like these people have actually learned and practice and these people yeah. like <laughs> same. I feel like it was another thing too, where a lot of people were like, Oh, you're just super talented as a kid. And like, you know, I can't draw a stick figure. It's like these, you start to realize it's, it's, like there were people in my uh, in college who who started off like really weak and got really good you know and and I think I don't think I even still realized it back then until until I got the studio where it was like I had somewhere to go produce work and the more work I produced the more strong my work got and like the closer and closer I got to this style that kind of came out uh, of nowhere so what's your studio practice like now like how do you balance the making money type art and the like yeah. type of things and the practice. Uh, I wish I had all in the same space. Yeah. It's all in the same space. I, I wish I had more time to make paintings like, and, and just, uh, you know, drawings and stuff. Uh, right now I'm on, I'm honestly so busy with commission stuff. I, I, I come here like every day and usually I try to knock out like the, the quick, cool, like logos stuff like in the morning and then work all afternoon on like the bigger freelance project that I'm working on. And, and so it's, it's definitely a balancing act even within all the commission work right now. Cause it's like a lot of different stuff. And I have these painting commissions too, that I want to do them and they're sitting here and they're, they're really challenging and they take a really long time. And I, I just like every, it's like once every month I sit down and paint for a few hours right now. And I, I think next month will be a little different. I won't be so under the gun under a large freelance project. And then I'll, I'll probably do like two or three days a week painting and, and stuff like that. And then a couple more days a week making money. But right now my day is sort of split between doing small projects and big projects that are all like commission. I don't really have a lot of time for, um, just whatever I want to do. But some of these projects have been really cool, to be honest. And I've been able to have almost 100% control. So I, I still can't complain. I'm, I'm getting a ton of practice and doing a ton of drawing right now. So it's all for the better. Do you have any favorite tools? Yeah, I really like oil painting, which I, I still, I, I don't do it enough. And it's something that I always, every time I make a painting, I'm like, I got to do this once a week or once a day. And I just don't because it's such a, it's so much setup and it's so much focus. And it's like, it's so hard compared to um, whatever else I do. But painting for me, I feel like I have less of a, an ego about the process or something where I feel sort of, I'm still learning how to control it. So I don't get too like cocky and, and uh, I try to do it right and, and like follow my own process and whatever I've learned from the couple professors I've had. And it's just a lot slower. And uh, so there's something like super Zen about painting and it's super focused and I, I, I don't make the same kind of like egotistical decisions um, in the process where it's like, I'm confident enough to just like breeze through a drawing, but uh, painting is like, it's really easy to make it look bad. <laughs> so, and it's really hard to make it look good. So I, I think I learn the most when I'm painting and I also, it's also just really satisfying to paint. Uh, like the whole tactile experience is really nice. The other end of that, my iPad has become like, it's like attached to my hand at this point. I have, I just, I'm like constantly using it now, which is funny because I, my fiance got it for me a couple years ago and I like barely touched it in the beginning. And now it's just like, I, I don't have enough space on it cause there's too many files and I'm just like making four or five drawings on it a day. Um, and it's, it's allowed me to, to, to replicate my process from regular drawings, like even colored pencil, um, ink drawings and stuff. I can do all the sketching in there. Um, and I, I use a lot less paper and it's so much easier to get sketches to clients without scanning them or taking a photo and texting and all that. It's right. like downloading, uploading. Like Yeah. It's just like, it's directly onto the computer. So yeah, I just got a Wacom too, but I'm still like warming up to it and my computer's getting old, so it doesn't do well with it, which is sort of a bummer. So I, I got the Wacom, but now I need to buy a new computer. <laughs> <laughs> you what, what do you feel like you need? Can't you connect the iPad now with like, I have an, I, I'm, I've been using the Apple right. Pencil and like in Procreate, yeah. but I think I can also, I haven't actually tried it yet. Cause I don't really use Photoshop a ton. Like I use it more for branding stuff, not for art. Yeah. Really. 
but I think you can use it connected. There's, there's some like app. If yeah, I can there, there are apps. I, I looked into them and a lot of people talk about how they experience like lag. Mm. Uh, and so yeah. that, that was why I decided to get a Wacom. But then I'm experiencing lag anyway, because my computer is too slow to run the Wacom. So in the end, I don't really know. It's, it's sort of annoying uh, technical hurdle to get over. Like it seems stupid, but it is what it is. My computer is like six years old now. But yeah, the reason I got it is because there's just certain things like in Illustrator and Photoshop where it's like instead of doing it here and then doing it there or doing it on a mouse, like I just want to be able to be right in Illustrator. Right. Yeah. It's something that has really bothered me as well. It's like, it's just a weird, it just doesn't make any sense that you can't do it. Like it just, it makes I know. zero sense. And then when I try to try to explain it to people, they don't really understand, but it's, there's just like certain things that I want to be able to like literally just like move over and you can't yeah and then if you do it wrong in one or like you didn't put the layers down correctly i don't there's just like a I lot know. of different yeah and i wish like i just had a lot of moments where i was like oh i gotta make this part on the ipad and then do this part on illustrator and right. i just thought it would be a good thing and and when i upgrade my computer i think it will be but i i it's mostly for illustrator like the Photoshop thing, I think Procreate is like more fun, yeah. um, honestly. And so oil painting and iPad, my favorite things right now. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because those are like totally opposite, but I also have been oil painting for the past year or so maybe. And it's like, it's so cathartic. I don't know. I just, I love it so much. And I, I actually never really did acrylic. Like I don't really come from a painting. I was a printmaker in the beginning. So, and then like yeah, right. textile. So I'm like totally different mediums, but I'm trying to learn acrylic now just for the sake of like, I yeah, mean, it's, it's the hard. basics, right? But it's yeah. so different than oil and like things I can do in oil and that I understand, like make sense. Yeah, I took a, like, yeah, I took like a painting for illustrators class in college with acrylics. And then I took like a fine art class in college after that. And I was just like, I like oils better. Like I, I, I know it's so much more expensive and like longer process, but uh, I, I don't know, acrylic stuff for me. I've been messing around with gouache a little bit lately uh, too, but it's, I don't know if it's just because I'm not as familiar with it, but I, I, I'm more into the, the oil painting right now than anything. Yeah. How, how do you think that'll come out in your public work? Oh, well, that's actually a good question, uh, which I've been, I took an oil painting class at SVA like two summers ago and it like completely changed my understanding of color. Uh, even, even when I'm just doing simple stuff. Um, so it was like, I got this whole, I got back in the groove of like making a, an oil painting and I like had a, a process again and I was like, Oh yeah, right. Like the darks and the, and like, if you put a little hot green inside of this, like kind of like mud green, the whole thing like turns like this different green. And, and so it's, it's made me a lot less afraid of color in general. And I can like experiment more and like use like stranger colors next to each other. Um, and, and find like cooler co combinations and stuff. And so my color is becoming like more complex in my illustration work because of the painting class I took, even though they don't look the same, but it's like the way I color in illustrations is way more simple than the way that I like try to achieve color in oil painting. So it's, it's good to have that like extreme working knowledge to, to do something more simple. Which oil class did you take or which? This guy, John Parks. I might take, I might sign up for another one of his classes that he's doing this weekend. Honestly, he's, it was, uh, some sort of like, it was called like bringing your paintings to life or something like that. And it was a, a lot, it was a lot of like replicating photos. Huh, um, okay. he just had like a really nice way of teaching in that, like, he would just be like, why well, just like, go like do what I say, but then like, just kind of go, go for it. Like just, get into the painting and just do it. Like you have to start just laying the paint down and cover the canvas and did it. And so he kind of like breaks the barrier a little bit for, for you, like instead of being so intimidated and so scared to like mess it up and he's funny and his paintings are crazy. So uh, it, it was satisfying to like take a class like that. And for me too, like I've just, the, the drawing style, like it's, it's, like stuck now too so like even when i'm replicating a photo it's like or you know painting from life it's still like i'm still making the same moves so yeah it, it sounds weird to like co the a copy a photo but like his subjects too like whatever the assignments would be like it would be something super simple like paint water or like paint a night scene and 
then you could just do whatever you wanted. So like, obviously I have subject matter that I like to do. So I would just like choose cool things and paint cool things. And like, I don't know, it was just fun. And I learned a lot. So I think I might take another one, honestly. Yeah, they're doing them all. Well, some of them are online now too. So yeah, uh, it's all on Zoom. Yeah, it's weird. I'm I'm doing a still life class on Zoom and I love my teacher. It's Adam Cross at uh, New York Academy of Art and he's like amazing. But I yeah. miss being in a class. I miss being with everyone. Yeah, it's a totally I different know. feeling. The class, the class aspect is different. Like it was really funny to be with this guy, John Parks. He would just make these like dark jokes about how stressful painting can be and like I don't know. He was just funny to be around. It's different when he's like coming around looking at the canvas and grabbing the paintbrush and being like, try that. Right. Like, so we'll see. I still think I'm going to take the class though. I, I, I just learned so much last time and it gave me such a boost um, in skill level. So I, I want to keep doing that. This podcast is sponsored by JPG Legal. File your trademark application with an experienced trademark attorney. They have flat fee services, so there are no surprises. You have no excuse not to register your trademark. Just go to jpglegal.com. Full disclosure, JPG Legal is run by my husband. When we first met, he had a solo practice and now he has five employees. Everyone's safely working from home right now, so I miss seeing them in person. If you need a trademark, go to jpglegal.com. What are some things you've been reading or listening to that's been inspiring lately? Oh man, listening to, uh, so a couple months ago, well, NT, there's this radio station called NTS, which is like based in London. Uh, and they've been doing a series called in focus, which like it's, it's all over the map. Like they've got uh, an episode for shot a, and they've got an episode for Gucci Mane and they've got an episode for like Gil Scott Heron and the Gil Scott mix is like, I I've become like obsessed with it. Like I, I I listen, I've listened to it like 45 times and it's, it's like an hour and a half long. So it's like, that's one thing. Um, I stay up on the, the, the London radio stuff a lot. So I listen to the Hessel audio show a lot, which is really good, but everybody should check it out. It's like, is it music? It's just a music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard his music before. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like bluesy, modern bluesy, but there's a lot of poetry on this one too. And a lot of topical stuff, as it turns out. So I, I recommend that. And then reading, uh, it's been kind of random. I read uh, The Alchemist recently. My fiance bought it and I read it and it was nice. And then I've been reading Steppenwolf, which is really slow and hard to read, but there's a lot of relatable stuff in it. So it's kind of the old like English writing is kind of nice too, but nothing too crazy. I honestly don't read enough, but I listen to a ton of music. I like don't, could not work without it. Do you have like a playlist that you've made or do you have, do you listen to like those radio shows and then? I, I listen to the radio shows cause there's tons of good DJs out there. Um, like there's the, there's, there's, you just like learn so much about the different mo- like music scenes that, and like the NTS like in focus thing is cool. Cause it's like a lot of artists you've heard of, but someone curates the tracks from different parts of their career in, in a nice way. But there's also just so many DJs like and so many music movements like like Chicago footwork and Jersey club music. And I don't know, there's just like so much random stuff that's out there that I would have never been exposed to if I didn't listen to SoundCloud or NTS. Like, and I've been on that rabbit hole for a while now. So I'm sort of like, know what, know what I'm looking for, but <laughs> I, I recommend people checking out SoundCloud and NTS radio. It's, it's, there's tons of music out there. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely link to it in the show notes. I love when DJs give you context. Like I listen to Radio Tres from mm-hmm. Madrid, Spain a lot because they have, they're on a different time zone, right? So there's like that weird part of it. Yeah, and then they right. just go deep into artists who we we know as Americans because it's like what we grew up with, you know? Yeah, but they right. like go way deep into somebody and I'm like, I had no idea or like just like tracks and stuff, B-sides and you're like, why do why are these people so much more obsessed where i feel like american radio we don't give any context we don't like american radio doesn't even play yeah there there's so much music out there they don't really play most of it honestly there's so much music that's the thing you realize like a lot of these guys who uh i listen to on the radio are like based in london but they'll play dj stuff that's from brooklyn but Mm -hmm. you never hear it on the radio in new york right it's it's like i don't know why it's like that but it's just the way it is 
So yeah, I recommend checking out London Radio. It's it's way better than American Radio <laughs> in general. I feel like any radio outside of the U.S. is better than, than yeah. America. I don't yeah. know why. I mean, it's funny to think about how London and England in general has just always been kind of like this center for music, like yeah. for a really long time. The Beatles and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff too. Right. Just goes way back. So anyway. Music, definitely check out NTS Radio in Focus, especially Gil Scott Heron's mix. I will, I will definitely check it out. Who are a few, a few people who have been the most influential to you? Well, it's been different. Like, well, it changes. Uh, I think in the very beginning, it was like comic books, like uh, and cartoons. And then similar time frame when I got a little older, there was like a lot of Egon Schiele and Gustav Klimt books around my dad's house and my mom's house. So a lot of like those Viennese artists. And then when I started getting more into college and like illustration, there was like James Jean and Paul Pope, like Ashley Wood, who I mentioned before. And then there's, ugh, there's so much. There's Tintin Comics, Milo Minara. Now with Instagram, there's just so many. Like Carly Andrews is really crazy. That guy, Mr. Aris, who I mentioned before, and Axel Void. Like, uh, and so it's, it's sort of like this mix of uh, comic books and cartoons and anime and video games and more classical stuff and and then like the Instagram like current stuff. So I I'm, I'm constantly pulling stuff. I wish I could remember this muralist. He's got stuff all over. Thomas Benton Hart is like I, I look at his stuff constantly. Um cuz he did he he was like an old American painter uh, and his work was like all about like the working class. And he has a couple murals in New York uh from you know the turn of the century. That has been like a big shift in thinking for me because he does crazy things with scale and like it'll be you know it'll be like a a city scene where a guy's like forging iron like on an anvil and then super small scale there's like uh criminals like selling drugs and and it's just like he plays with scale and the storytelling is it's similar to what i was talking about my own work before where it's like he's spelling it out for you and you see the whole picture at first but then if you the closer you go in the more you notice and uh so that's been like a big influence on on my work for the past like couple of years. It's all over the place and it comes from a lot of places. I mean, anime too, like Miyazaki stuff and Dragon Ball Z and all those things too. Like as far as line work and like just ways to treat scenes and way to, ways to draw the human figure. And it's really important to have reference, I think, and inspiration. Cool. What's a common myth about what you do, particularly around doing mural work? Yeah, it goes back to getting paid for everything, I guess. It's, you know, this is what this is what you love to do. So just do it kind of thing. Um, and it's sort of like, well, why should I do it for you? Like, if I'm Yeah, you know, so like, I think that's, that's really common in all aspects of like commissioned art is like, well, like, you know, you're doing what you love. But I, I'll be honest, like, I think people are are coming around a little bit. I think my last interview that you mentioned the process, the process interview, I was a little bit more salty about getting paid <laughs> um, so because lately people are like, well, how much do you charge? And it, it before I wasn't really getting asked that question much. And I don't know if it's because the art has gotten to a certain level and I've just been exposed more or if um, it's just becoming more common knowledge that like, if you want something uh, from an artist, you have to pay for it. And I feel like the decision to do something for free should, should be on the artist. Like it, unless you're offered that, like don't try not to ask for it. Cause it's, it's always kind of like a bummer. <laughs> I don't right. know. You're like, Oh, well I wanted to be able to, you know, I don't know. Like you want to do the work, but you don't want to do it for free. Like yeah. I want to do the work. Like I'd be happy <laughs> to do it, but I could do the same thing pretty much. Like if we're going to go through the whole process of coming up with a concept and making a sketch and everything, like what's the point of me doing it for free? Um, if I just can't do whatever, you know? So I think, yeah, like the, the whole idea that you should just do this because you love it is, is totally like off base because it's something that you also practice and work on so much and you put in so many hours. Like why would, why would you do it for free? I am curious if you have any ideas of why do you think street art, but also mural art in particular is so male dominated? I think it's just a sort of old in the way that like something like like skateboarding is is sort of like similar culture where it's like anybody can go do it but at the same time it's like only like guys and it's like a really good escape kind of thing but it sort of has like this tough guy persona 
Um, and I think it, until recently, society and culture sort of like separated women from that more like, you know, the past five, five to 10 years, you've been seeing a shift. I definitely know uh, a handful of mural artists that are women though. Like, I, I think they're, they're popping up in the scene like a lot more for sure. Like for me, like you said, you came up to me and asked me questions. Like, I don't, I don't feel like my position in the mural scene is, is like stronger than anybody else. Like I, I, I did an artist residency with um, these, this group of artists called Legendeer. And one of the, I wouldn't really call them teachers. I don't know what you would say. Mentors was this girl, Emily Herr. And she, she's like super strong. Like, I think she does this thing called Girls, 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 where she goes around driving a truck. Like she has a studio in like an old, like an ice cream truck. And she built her own studio in it. And she just drives around and paints these murals of like celebrating women. Um, and she's got a really strong style and she's really good. And so I don't think it's the scene is without them. It's definitely dominant. And, and in New York too, like, I don't know, there's this like kind of this like tough guy thing. I remember I almost applied for uh, an apprenticeship with um, what's that huge mural company, not seen, but the other Colossal. one. Colossal. Yeah. And it was just like the whole application was, was sort of like, we prefer people who worked in kitchens and are tough than we, pref than we'd like artists. Like, and, and like, it was more like it, it had this like tough thing and, and it was sort of like, it's not, that doesn't mean like women can't have that kind of attitude, but it was sort of like this, uh, for me, it wasn't that appealing. And, and so I, I think it's sort of just that attitude. I'm sort of making this like comparison to skate the skateboard scene too where it's like people are like well girls aren't as good at it or whatever which is it doesn't really reflect what's going on right <laughs> especially with painting i mean women right. are like there's just like billions of amazing like women artists like it's not I, I don't know why honestly like i said like for me i i don't feel like some strong dominant figure in the scene at all so i i don't know why it would be dominated by men because women painter there's no like better or worse in painting it's like all just an even playing field and like you can be super strong like no matter who you are you just got to get good at it yeah i don't know i wish i had like a better answer um definitely check out emily her her stuff's amazing and she's he's doing a cool thing right now where she's giving up wall space for uh like persons of color like and letting them express themselves on wall spaces that she has and she's encouraging like businesses to do it too yeah i i do think just just one anecdote of the like mexican mural movement you know like riviera Oros yeah yeah Oros. Another, another person i look at a lot yeah yeah so like they were like the big three and everything but there were also so like M Maria Izquierdo was an artist during that time and she was doing just as good, if not better work than them, but right. they literally didn't let her do murals. Like she had mural projects and they told her she wasn't allowed to because she was a woman. So I think there's yeah. like weird it's... messed up things where certain people haven't been. And then she wasn't known as a mural artist because she wasn't allowed to do those projects. You know, it's just like it, it's layers and layers of things that have created this perception that women can't do it or like they're not going to be as good, even though there are so many examples of women who would have been. Yeah, I mean, I, I, off the top, I, it's so untrue, basically. Like a ton of the people I follow on Instagram are female artists. Like Tale, Vanessa Del Rey, Emily her like they're they're it's like they're pretty dominant like at least in my bubble you know right. what I mean mm -hmm. uh so I think just back then especially like history is sort of written in this singular perspective um which is something that as everyone's talking about right now and right Gil Scott mix he talks about that too like it's it's been that way for a long time um yeah. and it's it sucks it's it's bullshit well, hopefully we can change it. I'm yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that I think has to change. And you can't, it's difficult right now. Truth is like, the truth is, is sort of whatever you want it to be, which is, which is bizarre. What do you mean? Well, the news can change the narrative and Instagram can change right. the narrative and right. all that stuff. Like it, it uh, you know, the protests are probably still going on, but I don't see anything on the news right now. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know, might have ended, like, I guess. <laughs> You know, so it's it it's difficult. Like people have a, you start to see how history works, and it's sort of just written by someone who puts a stamp on it and says this is what happened. Right. Like it's it's strange. Like the self fulfilling prophecy kind of of like the more you put it, whoever controls the media and controls the news can just set the narrative. Yeah. Well, that's a yeah, terrifying. That's note a, that's a dark <laughs> conversation yeah. for another time. Yeah. Sorry. Well, on that note. 
how can our listeners connect with you online? Uh, Instagram's probably the best place. It's the thing I use the most and uh, I'm still working on my website. I have to fix it and I don't really use Twitter. I don't really use Facebook. So definitely Instagram. What's your handle on Instagram? Uh, it's just my name at Massimo Majardo. Yep. No spaces, no nothing. So yeah. I'll link to everything in the show notes. Cool. Thank you so much. We talked about and yeah, thank you so much for talking. It was great yeah. to catch up. I, I wish it were under better circumstances, but um, it's cool that we can do this and it's cool that you're doing it. So that's good. Thanks. Thanks for talking. Awesome. Thank you so Have much. Have a good one. See you Bye. later. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of First Coat. If you like this podcast, please leave a review. Make sure to subscribe to the First Coat podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at First Coat Podcast or at Distill Creative. First Coat is a production of my company, Distill Creative. Check us out at distillcreative.com.